Uh, what got you there with got you got you? What got you there with Shonda Laney? 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 Clarence Greenwood, otherwise known as Citizen Cope, grabs the mic before one of his shows to talk about his journey with Sean. Cope talks about tapping into his creative side, what drives him, and the self-reflection he's done over the years to continue to produce great work. The success of Citizen Cope's music has always been a slow burn rather than a flash in the pan. The single Let the Drummer Kick eventually went platinum without any support from commercial radio. His newest album, Heroin and Helicopters, is his first in seven years. And for this, Cope trusted his gut and knew that it was time. Get ready for this jam-packed episode. Hey guys, I want to tell you about the brand I'm obsessed with right now. And you guys know I'm pretty obsessive about the brands I work with, especially when it comes to athletic apparel. You guys need to check out 10,000. You need to head to 10,000.cc and you guys can enter code WGYT and you're going to receive 20%, yes, 20% off your entire order. Why do I love 10,000? 10,000 created the only training shorts you'll ever need. They do so by simplifying your options to deliver three premium shorts that perfectly cover all the ways you train. They have one built for versatility, another for durability, and one super lightweight, perfect for one of those runs or whatever else you do for fitness. No matter what you do, they have you covered. CrossFit, running, spin, yoga, lifting, or your weekend adventure, it doesn't matter what you do for fitness. They have a short for every way you train. They make it super simple too to find the right short. Just pick the short that's best for you, your lifestyle, personalize it with your individual needs with a custom liner and inseam options and start getting after it. Not sure if they have the right short? No need to worry, you guys. Make a return or exchange. They offer free shipping, free exchanges, and free returns on every order. Like I said, 10,000 is my favorite brand right now. I'm wearing their apparel all the time when I'm working out. I can't recommend them enough. Head to 10,000.cc, enter code WGYT, and you've got 20% off your entire order. Making change transpire. That's the mission behind the most amazing tasting protein bar brand taking the nutrition industry by storm. That brand, they're MCT Co. And they make the most delicious, keto-friendly, all-natural collagen protein bars. If you're obsessed with the quality of food going into your body like I am, then head out and pick up these amazing bars jammed with 10 grams of collagen protein. They only have two to three net carbs, no added sugar, and loaded with high-quality MCT oil for the healthy fats from coconuts. Whether you're busy running the kids around from activity to activity, a professional athlete, or just someone looking for a great-tasting convenience snack, do yourself a favor. Head to mctco.com and use code WGYT for 20% off your order. So I'm always interested about game day performances. I mean, this is kind of your stage. What's it like right now, a few hours away from a performance? Uh, Well, I had kind of a late night last night, so I was kind of chilling in the bus. And um, this morning I woke up to some texts, you know, regarding one of the promoters trying to pull a fast one on me. So it the day didn't it didn't uh, start out as as positive as I wished it would, so I, I had to say my be gracious today and say say a 
be thankful and all those things usually start the day off. I like to get a little exercise and then um, we do a sound check usually and load in. Uh, today I had nice breakfast today. So when you have something like that happen in the morning, is that, does that bother your performance at all? Or No, it doesn't bother my performance. It, it's just It's just like a lesson to learn from because I've been trying to really stay listening to a lot of different philosophers and reading a lot of, about um, not letting those kind of things bother me and, and kind of kind of seeing the business side of things as, as you know, when I react to them, to, to kind of watch myself reacting to them as opposed to reacting and, and getting myself more worked up about it. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's the business I chose. I mean, it seems like philosophy is, is kind of having this comeback and it's something I study a lot to kind of maintain my head with the businesses I'm involved with. What made you initially decide you want to have this business side of you as well as part of the music and creative? Well, it's just that, you know, having ownership in something, you're already, it, it's so personal. It's already so personal. So you own it and, and it's it's yours. And, you know, it's interesting that this business is able to, take what you invented your intellectual property essentially and own it forever and somebody else's grandchildren is going to profit off of that instead of your own and um but to answer your question it it i would sign with these companies and they were really great companies with good executives and that i've i i had a had a connection with those executives and i you know had a vision for what i did and understanding for what i did and then, you know, all three cases with the major labels and major corporate record companies, uh, those executives and those staffs were let go. And um, so it happened at DreamWorks, it happened at Arista, and um, eventually at RCA. And um, I never really signed with RCA Records. Um, I signed with Arista and was kind of like adopted by RCA. So I wouldn't have necessarily made that choice, but after that, after I fulfilled my uh, agreement with them, I just went out on my own and, and and paid for my own masters, and now I own masters to three three records and all my publishing. How rewarding is that and satisfying? Uh, it, it it's great because I was able to get a start in the business through the corporate side and learn a lot, and and like I said. Uh, be in the room with a lot of people that have done a lot of great things and with some great artists. So, and you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the fact for all of it, for, for the learning experience and also for the opportunity to, to record on somebody else's dime and have somebody market a record and, and see what mistakes we made and adjust those mistakes. It seems like you've been able to look back over the years and, and understand who you were able to, to really learn from and study from. How different are you now compared to, say, even just 15 years ago? Um, I think my life is different. We talked about that, um, the philosophy of stuff and, and trying to uh, learn to, to be in the moment and not to think about yesterday or tomorrow. But I think that that's a learning something you have to learn and relearn again. It's not something that you kind of learn and just, okay, I know it now. It's something that is time tested and it continuously tests you. So 
Um, the last 15 years, I've been touring, so it's different. I wasn't a full-time touring musician 15, you know, 16 years ago, but um, I started pretty heavily in 2003. How long has it been since you've kind of gotten into some philosophical things, started to read more up on that? How long have you been doing that? I've been doing it for a long time. It's my late teens, but uh, it just kind of started, you know, I've gone through different different phases and, and, you know, whether, you know, I even look at philosophy as like the Bible and, you know, the Tao and things like that. And I, I look at, you know, different different people's stories and interpretations of, of not just people, you know, from Albert Einstein. And I've recently been listening to a lot of Alan Watts and, uh, you know, reading Eckhart Tolle and stuff like that. But I've, I've been reading him for a long time. You mentioned listening. Do you listen to, to audiobooks or do you read the physical books? Well, Alan Watts has a lot of actual lectures that he did that are recorded, so I, I, I actually listened to them. He just had lectures that he taped a lot of his stuff. So it's kind of interesting because it's almost somewhat of a meditation listening to him. Speaking of meditation, you mentioned the Tao. You had a post on Instagram the other day, and I, I want to read this so the listeners can hear it. It's taken a while to relearn that music is a vehicle for personal and spiritual growth as opposed to gaining a treasure chest of individual accolades. It's inherently the reason most true artists start. We can get duped or dupe ourselves into thinking it's about the latter in order to sustain a creative outlet. So grateful for this learning process and for those who have been part of it, the yin and the yang effect. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I just, I think we, we deal with other people's expectations a lot. And that's what kind of gets you messed up when you, hey, why isn't your record, why aren't you a big star? Why, you know, you're better than this artist or why don't you have a record? You know, all these kind of things that throughout, you know, my life, people uh, say, I don't think in a bad way, but I think they're, you know, like I get it a lot now. Like, why? I just don't understand why you're not a bigger artist than you are and it and then you get in your head and like oh god why is that and then you know and and i think that about the relearning part is that you come in there with the right just just trying to express your soul and to have a creative outlet so it's a very pure reason that an artist really starts and then you get distracted by all the other things that come with a certain amount of fortune or success or what they call success in the music business um and it's easy to lose sight of okay well if i did this why you know i can sell a million records if i sold a hundred thousand what could you know it's it's just entertainment kind of carrot that's along that that gets put ahead of you and and i think essentially i came up with with not even thinking i was going to be a professional musician i just I wanted a creative outlet. I wanted something to express myself with. I started writing poetry and then started um, with a drum machine and I could play a couple notes on guitar and, and I got a four track and started recording some stuff and writing some songs and it turned into something else. But, you know, I never thought I could be winning Grammys and all this kind of stuff. And I haven't ever won Grammys. Maybe I should have felt like I, <laughs> maybe I should have visualized myself winning some Grammys. 
I'm so intrigued by the creative expression, and I don't want to use the word motivation, but is it is it about that creative expression that really drives you? I have no idea what it is. It's just it's kind of an instinct. It's just something that I felt you know I could play a little one note on a guitar or two notes on a guitar, and it kind of sounded cool. And it wasn't anything hard. It was just something that you know I was never. There was things that I never did well. I wasn't a great student in school, and I wasn't particularly a fast runner. I had a decent jump shot, but I wasn't good enough to be <laughs> in in uh, professional or semi-pro or collegiate athletics. Um, so I, I, I don't think I found what my muse was until I was... Uh, like 18. And so I didn't, I wrote some poetry. I was like, wow, this is really good. It just came off my head. And um, then, and it's something I never studied, but it was something that just came and I, and I started getting into the music thing. And it's just one step at a time. It just felt like I had to be creative somehow. It's so funny how we all have these things that are just instinctual and it just kicks and collects and it just, you keep building on it. And it's so funny because I've read and heard that you had stage fright when you were first starting out. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you even then, was it just originally you wanted to write songs, produce, and, and no plans on performing? Yeah, I just wanted to be a songwriter and producer, and then I didn't, I didn't have an artist to produce or write song for, so I was like, I had to become the artist too. And a lot of the songs were pretty personal, so they had to be felt by me, so I had to... I started doing that and then people were like listening to my tapes and they offered me shows to open up and this kind of stuff. And I had really bad stage fright. And so I started doing open mics a lot and I didn't cure it. And then I did shows and that didn't cure it. You know, I still get a little nervous, but I'm, I'm slowly starting to realize that people are out there on my side and they're not like... I, sh I don't have anything to worry about. I mean, they're, they're definitely on your side. It's so funny. I was even listening to some songs on the way over here. And it's just like the second you open up those vocal cords and the mic, I mean, something just goes through you. Yeah. And I I'm speaking from the fan's perspective. And a minute ago, you talked about, about the muse. And something I love with music and great art is it means something different to everyone. Absolutely. So I'd love to just hear you even talk more about the muse. Well, it, it's interesting when you say that... Uh, it means something different to everybody else. And it, that's why when people ask what, a, you know, oh, what's that song about? It's, it's really difficult to kind of explain that because it means something different to somebody else. And also to the creator, I don't even think the creator really knows, you know, whoever's creating that song really knows what the song is about. It, it, it happens without thinking, without, it's a natural instinctual thing that, that just happens. And I know that sounds cliche, when people say, oh, the song wrote itself somewhat, you know, it is like, oh, fuck you, you know. It's just, <laughs> but it, it there is that moment of when you just let something happen and you're not wanting anything at that point. When you're just letting that happen, I, I love the, the creative process. What's yours look like? Just picking up a guitar and, and, you know, just letting it happen, you know. Strum something, you might hear something. And then it leads to another thing. It, it, it really is not, it's, it's nothing that um, I really can philosophically explain. It's just 
a very strange but beautiful process that that only happens when that antenna is up. Sometimes, I mean, recently I've been meditating, so I've heard a couple songs in my dreams recently, which I thought was bullshit when people said that they heard songs in their dreams, but I, I actually um, had a couple of those things happen. And sometimes I'll hear a melody or get an idea, but for the most part, it's usually when I'm strumming my guitar and, you know, the forces come around and something happens or it doesn't. And I don't feel like, you know, it's work. I don't, I don't look at this as work. I don't, I'm not digging ditches. I'm not doing any kind of hard manual labor that, that I don't feel like I enjoy. I think some people, I think if you do hard labor and you enjoy it, then it's not work. But I, I, I think people sitting in a cubicle that don't like their job, that's work. But I'm passionate about what I do, and it's something that um, I've been allowed and feel very grateful for having in my life. If I was to ask you 25 years ago, if you ever could imagine you'd be in this position, would you have guessed this? Um, I mean, I don't, think I, I don't think you can tell what the future holds for you. I don't ever, you know, I think there was... It's like back to that instinct thing. Something kind of draws you toward that. So you're kind of like, okay, I'm in this direction here for some reason. I've found it's, it's interesting how things come full circle. And you, you think, oh, wow, that, you know, I really like that artist. And then the next thing you know, you're doing a song with them, you know, or uh, I bought this record from this label when I was a kid. And then next thing you know, you get an offer from them on a company, you know, so it's, it's something that, I mean, I don't know what the next 25 years is going to be. I don't know what the next 25 seconds is going to be beyond this. So um, I, I've, I've had part of my life where I did kind of obsess over what the next move is and where it's going to happen and what I have to do. And I found that that only got me a certain level because then... I couldn't be motivated by the past anymore. I couldn't be motivated to the future anymore from the past. And I catch myself doing it a lot still where I'm like, okay, what, what am I going to, how am I going to make this record thing happen or go on tour here? But it, it's, it's, it's a battle, like I said in that, in that quote. <laughs> no, I was thinking about it almost as a question about self-belief. I mean, you mentioned when you were younger, didn't have lessons, anything like that, into music. You had stage fright, so many things it seems like you almost had to overcome. But man, you did it, and here you are. So is, is it about self-belief? I think in my particular case, I always went after things that scared the daylights out of me, which was basically getting on stage. Um, I, I looked at myself in the mirror and said, why are you doing this to yourself one time? Because this is not you. You're not a you're not out there, you know, it's not like you hear stories about people like, oh, I got on stage and it was just like, I belonged, you know. When they say stage fright, I had, I was scared, you know. And um, I think in life, we react poorly to situations and I have in the past out of fear. And, you know, oh, I'm scared of this. Oh, this person's trying to rip me off. It reminds me of, this happening to me and this when it was stolen from me or it reminds me of this happening in my childhood with my father or, or 
you know, mother, or, or this reminds me of losing the closest people in my life when I was young, or what, whatever it is, it's, it's really, I found out in my particular case that it's, it's been motivated in fear. And I don't want to be motivated by fear. Like, I don't want to be uh, in that situation of, of getting angry in a situation because it's really about something else. I mean, it seems like you're pretty damn self-aware. Like, you've done a, a lot of personal work to understand this. And it makes me think back to what you were talking about a few minutes ago about strumming on the guitar when, when you're coming up with those songs you say they come to you naturally. What, what does it feel like? Are, are you playing it out like a movie in your head with these words coming? What does it look like? It's just really, I strum the guitar and a melody comes and the words come and it's just, it's, then you're like, where did that come from? It's, it's like you turn around and it's like some kind of magic. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's not like the whole song. Sometimes it's just like the chorus and, and, the, and the rhythm of it. And I can't, figure out what the verses are going to be. And I just, I, I don't push it. You know, like I guess I have a song called Let the Drummer Kick, and it was one of my biggest songs off my first record. And I, I did all the music and the chorus to it, and I wasn't going to put it on the record. And uh, I had no verses. I just could not figure out what kind of verse to do it. And same with Hurricane Waters. I had all the music and the chorus done, but I couldn't think of the, the verses in, until the very end. And, uh, but that happens when I strum on my guitar too. So I just, uh, uh, I'm not, I, I don't have these verses yet. I got this great chorus and, and then, uh, I just let it ha you know, don't, don't rush it. Don't push it. Don't, you know, all you can do is be there and sit down on the guitar and if something happens, something great happens. I mean, I, I'm just so intrigued by this, not having a musical background, so I don't understand your creative process. I know what works for me well. So when, when you're about to, to do this and, and just pull out the guitar, is it special set-aside time, or is it just you're just hanging out? Well, I used to have a thing before I was touring a lot where I would just wake up, strum my guitar, smoke a spliff, go out and get something to eat, come back, play guitar a little bit more, write, write a little bit more, smoke a little more weed. Uh, then I used to buy and sell tickets to concert and sporting events. So then I would go at around 4 o'clock, 4.30, I'd head over to one of the arenas or the stadium, you know, and do my thing, and then I'd be back by 9. So then I, I'd just come back, and so it was kind of a daily instinctual thing. And then even when I got my record deal, it's just part of the daily thing. Uh, put records out. Once I started touring, it's a little bit more difficult to have that time and that and that and that moment. And uh, usually, when I'm not on tour, is the best time for me to pick up my guitar. And it's it's not something that you can take lightly. So it's it's just really when you're drawn to it. It's the yin and the yang, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you actually do have time to get away from tour, how important is solitude in all this? I'm a huge believer of solitude. Um, I think it's the number one most important thing to creativity. And 
you know, once you have a wife or a family and people around you, it gets harder and harder to go out. But you have to make that, I call it woodshedding. You know, you have to go and woodshed and take off and, and go by yourself with a guitar somewhere and rent a room, run on the beach and, and play your music. And I think some amazing things happen off of that. And I think, I mean, I've heard from other people too that, you know, do anything at a high level, how important that is. But I, I just, I always felt like it was important even before I, you know, heard about that. I think it's, even when I was writing, I was just by myself a lot early on. I didn't have, uh, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. I didn't, you know, just kind of just didn't have a lot of social life. It was really just dedicated to writing music. Very, very, that's all I did. That's when the best work's going to come, yeah. during, during those dark just times w with yourself. And it's funny you mentioned woodshedding. I love how you framed that. And a lot of the, the business people that we've had on, even thinking of someone like Bill Gates, he goes away for two weeks, pure solitude, just right. to sit down with his thoughts. So when you were talking about woodshedding, where do you go? Well, I used to go to Jamaica a lot. There's a, there's a uh, beach in the grill. So I, I had always been very active in my younger days. And I, I went to, I'd go to the grill and I'd stop kind of being active for a while. I had an accident playing basketball where I lost part of my vision and I stopped playing ball. And then I just wasn't as active as playing, playing sports or so. And I never liked to run. So I started walking on the beach and then I started running and I enjoyed the running I, I not enjoyed it, but I, enjoyed the progress of it and and so I w what I would do is go there there's a cheap hotel and do my daily thing there run kind of have like two a days get in shape kind of thing plus be uh just by myself and 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 writing in the room and um I do that and I you know actually did that this year as well um then I went to Hawaii for a while but um, the energy is kind of strong there, kind of different. So it's usually it's usually the Caribbean. When you said the energy strong there, referring to Hawaii, what do you mean by that? It just has a really strong energy. It's a very you know it's enormous. I mean it's beautiful. It's everything is great about it. Um, I get a lot of love in Hawaii, um, but I think there's a history where the people native to the land. Whenever that happens, there's there's always an energy um, when people have been defrauded out of their home for somebody to come in and, you know, I, and I know it's happened all over the world and it happened in America and it happened in Jamaica as well. But I think there's just, there's an energy, a, a, it's a sacred land, so. So you were mentioning about your time alone. I'm thinking about those 10,000 hours you need to get. Is, is that when you got it during those those times? You know, I was trying to count my hours. <laughs> um, and what's interesting is I don't under, you know, because I love that Malcolm Gladwell book. Um, I was thinking, well, how would you quantify the hours? Like, would it be hours on stage? Would it be hours in the studio? Would it be hours writing? Would it be hours um, all culminated together? You know, it, 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 <laughs> what'd you come to? Is it the culmination? You know, I was like, 
fuck. If it's hours on stage, um, I haven't gotten there yet, you know, because I think I've probably played over a thousand, probably a couple thousand shows, two hours. So I'm not there, <laughs> but definitely um, studio time and and songwriting time. If, if definitely, and if if it means like traveling and all that stuff to the next show, I'm I'm I've, I've, I'm about a hundred thousand. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's even funny thinking about the culmination and and your songwriting and how many experiences you've had that would technically be outside of music that you can't count for those hours. But boom something that you you saw there inspired you to write something absolutely i think that there's you know like i said when i was selling tickets um i have a song called two hundred thousand account for fifty dollar bills and um one of my peers who was older than me at the time was kind of a a derelict but um a lot in that profession there were a lot of derelicts not derelicts but just people that were addicted to stuff and and um or former addicts that that or people that had been in jail wanted to do something where they can make a little money but not have any real real jail time and uh so this guy one time I asked him how how much the most money he ever had and he said 200,000 <laughs> <laughs> That's where that came from? Yeah, and so and he had passed away and years later I wrote the song. It wasn't like right off the bat years later I wrote the song kind of like a what comes around goes around story in life. And and it just but with all my characters and my songs, I, I feel like I'm I'm part of those people as well. That's a reoccurring theme for you, huh? It's just that circle. Yeah. I mean I think I think there's there's been a couple of those instances. I think you have to look at yourself and every character that you have or any kind of problem that you have with society. It's like Sometimes people misidentify my music as being political in some way when really I'm, I'm pointing the finger at myself. I'm looking at the mirror and a lot of these things. What you've done here is put yourself between a bullet and target, you know? <laughs> no, I, it's, it's funny you bring that up. And I'm just thinking about, can you sense, can you feel how your music has been there for some of the highest points and lowest points of people's lives? I mean, they, they turn to your music. And I mean, I can yeah. think specific moments, difficult times, great times in my life. And boom, it's it's your music I think about. Yeah, I think that um, that's happened. And I hear about it all the time. People are like, oh, this got me through this or this got me through that. And I lost, was it war or I lost my father? Like last night, there was somebody whose father died of heroin addiction and the t two kids came. And um, they were in the front row singing. And something told me I just gave them my guitar picks. They were real young. And and then it turned out they told uh, my keyboard player uh, that they lost their father to heroin addiction. And um, and they came and, and said hello to me. That's very cool. So it's just like I, I hear a lot of bad stories, but then I hear the ones that are like, Oh, we got married to it. We met at your show. We, this was our walk down Song of the Island, you know, and I, I still want to hear when someone says, oh, I, 
I was listening to music when I cured cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe after this interview, and it's funny, we're talking about just the impact your music's had. I'm thinking about for you, has there been a moment when, I don't know, hearing a song on the radio or anything that was just like, wow, all those, all those times alone, it just like hits you that I'm here. I don't even think you ever think you're there. It's just weird about it. And that's, that's what that quote was about. Um, until you realize you're in your body, it's not about any of this other shit. It's like you are here. You're always, you've always been here. And we lose sight of that. We're taught to, you know, what's next, what's next, what's next. And I think there were moments where I had like tears of joy because I, you know, it'd been so hard to get a record deal and I got offered a record deal and something just kind of hit me. And then, uh, when Santana asked for Sideways on on his record, and it was a huge record, I think that was a moment, um, being on stage with those guys, selling out some of my first shows, that kind of thing. But even last night, just being on stage and feeling comfortable is a whole different thing. So you learn something every day. Is there one venue that just, when you see it, you're on that night? Well, there's one venue I'd like to play. What is that? <laughs> RFK Stadium in D.C. Because uh, you're a D.C. native. Or Yankee Stadium. Or I played Madison Square Garden, but I never headlined it. The ones that I like, 930 Club in D.C., which is a great venue. Um, I played the Beacon Theater, which I love. Uh, the Showbox in Seattle is great. Uh, there's a place called Benaroya Hall there. Did an acoustic show there, great theater. Um, I just played the ACL Moody Theater in Austin, Texas. Stubbs in Austin outside is great. Uh, so there's just a really, there's, there's, and there's a ton of great theaters around the country that have been around forever that, that are really exciting. You mentioned Santana getting to play with an idol like that. Who else would you just love to perform with? Uh, that's still alive. Yeah. Um, I'd love to sing with Sade one day. Yeah? Yeah. Why is that? I love her voice. I love her vibe. I'd like to do something with D'Angelo. I'd like to do something with uh, Dave Grohl. Um, I think that would be fun. I just love hearing the artist, what comes to your mind. It's very cool. Yeah. So it had been seven years, finally decided to come out with another album. Right. I mean, I know you're big on instinct. Why Why was this the time? It just happened. It was. It was just a situation. I didn't... I have a seven-year-old daughter, or eight now, year old daughter. And for some reason, and I moved to California, the time just went super fast and I was on the road and just trying to pay for the record and go on the road to get money for it. And I was having some personal problems with my daughter's mother. We're going through some, uh, some separation stuff going on, not to get too personal, but so it, it was just, I wasn't super inspired. And, um, I don't know if that inspiration was coming from the right place anyway. Uh, so it was something that you know, kind of like by moving around, I, I'm very kind of, I need to be somewhere in a comfort zone. I kind of have to be in that area of, in that part of my life. And it was just touring. And when I was touring and I wasn't around my daughter, that wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable around that and had her out on the road with me for a long time too. And then, um, 
just it was just a weird time. I, I, I also wasn't super inspired. And I think everyone makes this big deal about seven years. It's not like, you know, it, it is a long time, but it's, I didn't want to dilute what I've done by just putting out some kind of, oh, here's a record because it comes out this year. And it's, oh, the, you know, this is what you get. I wanted it to be special. That's one of the things I admire. Yeah. You truly do. You, you, you're so thoughtful with it. You're appreciative of it. And then it results in great work. Yeah. I love how it's not rushed. And they, well, they say it's not rocket science, but I'm starting to think it is because it's like, you know, you have to electronically put this thing in and use your human spirit and get the right balance of volume and EQ and delays in a mix and the right thing has to happen and lightning has to strike and it and it's not that it has to do that for anyone else but it has to do it for you because you're gonna know that's not right that's not true and even if somebody else if you think something is genius and somebody's like eh, whatever i don't like that i like wilco <laughs> <laughs> everyone interprets it differently yeah right? so i mean you you just have to know you have to be all right with it and it took me a while to get to that place. I uh, went through some writing blocks and then thought I finished the record, went to Jamaica, listened to it with kind of new ears, said, you know, this could be a lot better um, sonically. And I wrote some new songs and went back and, and did some more things to it. So you thought it was done. So that was that about you just shifting your environment and that helped you open up your eyes? And also listening to it outside of the studio, outside of the working environment. Just like listening to it, like really being there and listening to this record and saying, wow, I mastered it already, but this isn't done. And, and you know, I think a lot of times in the music business, executives will tell you, hey, you need to know this song or oh, I don't like the mix, uh, you maybe master it again or mix this again. But I've always been that person that said, okay, this isn't good enough. This needs to go. I need to spend more time on it, et cetera, et cetera. The album, Heroin and Helicopters, you're on tour now through September, citizencope.com, anywhere else. I know you're Citizen Cope on Instagram, all that. Anywhere else you want them checking out? Uh, you know, whatever whatever streaming service it is, um, or if, if you want to download the record, and then we got albums, we got LPs, if you like that, all that stuff's on the merchandise site on citizencope.com. Clarence, thanks for joining us on What Got You There. Thank you. Hey guys, I want to tell you about the brand I'm obsessed with right now. And you guys know I'm pretty obsessive about the brands I work with, especially when it comes to athletic apparel. You guys need to check out 10,000. You need to head to 10,000.cc and you guys can enter code WGYT and you're going to receive 20%, yes, 20% off your entire order. Why do I love 10,000? 10,000 created the only training shorts you'll ever need. They do so by simplifying your options to deliver three premium shorts that perfectly cover all the ways you train. They have one built for versatility, another for durability, and one super lightweight, perfect for one of those runs or whatever else you do for fitness. No matter what you do, they have you covered. CrossFit, running, spin, yoga, lifting, or your weekend adventure, it doesn't matter what you do for fitness. They have a short for every way you train. They make it super simple, too, to find the right short. Just pick the short that's best for you, your lifestyle, personalize it with your individual needs with a custom liner and inseam options, and start getting after it. Not sure if they have the right short? 
No need to worry, you guys. Make a return or exchange. They offer free shipping, free exchanges, and free returns on every order. Like I said, 10,000 is my favorite brand right now. I am wearing their apparel all the time when I'm working out. I can't recommend them enough. Head to 10,000.cc, enter code WGYT, and you've got 20% off your entire order. Making change transpire. That's the mission behind the most amazing tasting protein bar brand taking the nutrition industry by storm. That brand, they're MCT Co. And they make the most delicious, keto-friendly, all-natural collagen protein bars. If you're obsessed with the quality of food going into your body like I am, then head out and pick up these amazing bars jammed with 10 grams of collagen protein. They only have two to three net carbs, no added sugar, and loaded with high-quality MCT oil for the healthy fats from coconuts. Whether you're busy running the kids around from activity to activity, a professional athlete, or just someone looking for a great-tasting convenience snack, do yourself a favor. Head to mctco.com and use code WGYT for 20% off your order. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.